Greetings, ho, 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 and welcome to the Screen 17 podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ray Hogg, joined as ever by Rob Mullen. Ho, ho, ho. And Eddie, honest arpeggiator, Bolton. Hello. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. Every other week, we come to you with our thoughts and takes on the entertainment we've consumed from screens big and small. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing, following, or whatever your preferred podcast service suggests. You can also find and follow us on Facebook as Screen17 or on Instagram at Screen17Podcast, where you can also contact us, ask questions, or simply suggest topics for future episodes. But before we get into that, let's catch up with the guys. What you've been watching? For God's sake, turn it off! Turn it off! Ah, the TV! The TV! Guys? Who wants to start? <laughs> Eddie, you go. You're, 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 you're yeah, I always start. Blank in the dock. <laughs> okay. I want the mystery selections from Eddie Bolton. So, I've been watching The Mandalorian, which yeah. I've enjoyed this first part of the season more than I've enjoyed the new parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did, I did enjoy ep- or chapter. What are we on now? What was it chapter uh, seventeen? So I enjoyed chapter sixteen. Chat? No, too far. Chapter fourteen, I enjoyed because it's only eight episodes. Chapter fourteen, I enjoyed the new chapter. I know a lot of people have been praising how great it is, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I still think it's better than last season, but mm-hmm. I'm. I'm looking for plot and I'm it, there's a lot of you need to go here to do stuff. Yeah. And then they get there and then they're told, well, actually, you need to go here to do stuff. I so, it feels like okay, I haven't seen the second season, but I think that's still true of the first season, too. Right. It is where it's which I think is OK. It's a little bit a monster of the week show mm. um, or like it's more. Well, I guess it's really more like a cowboy rolls in the town. Yeah. So I enjoy that. I mean, it's it, it's more it's more plot driven now with what they're trying to do. But mm. I've found it's re- losing it a bit of steam for me at the moment. Not to say that it's bad, but um, so the action's still great. It still looks amazing. I'm just I'm less interested in the characters, which and I feel like you're meant to be even more invested now. So yeah, that's where I am with it. What uh, do you make of the um? the Disney kind of roster announcement for all the sideshows. Like, do you think that maybe what they've kind of planned with Mandalorian, it feels a little bit kind of rushed as well, but maybe Mandalorian is a bit of a springboard towards their TV universe. I think that's how they've used it. Jeb. Um, yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm just looking forward to Obi-Wan. I cannot yeah. wait for that show. And it'll be interesting to see how they use Hayden Christensen. I was talking to my friend earlier on about how they might use Darth Vader in Flashback. It. Not even flashback. It could be. It could be trauma from from what Obi Wan went through, where he's he, you know he's either having nightmares 
or he's he's having visions of Anakin struggling or mm. so yeah it'll be interesting although I, I did see Kathleen Kennedy say that it's the rematch of the history biggest rematch in history or something along those lines yeah yeah so like I think that. they are going to meet at some point are you familiar but, with any of the comics where um not Hayden Christensen character but where Anakin faces off against Vader no no yeah there's some some comics where it's like backstory to how Vader uh, got his red lightsaber, and he goes to a planet to make uh, Kyber Crystal bleed to make the red sabers. But before he does that, he he has a vision of him uh, fighting Anakin. And oh, um, okay. that must be legend, really, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not canon. Like, it, but I'd be wondering if they actually pull stuff from that. Uh, just on that. Um... Thing you said about Kathleen Kennedy was that not in reference to Darth Maul fighting Obi Wan? I don't know if Darth mm-hmm. Maul's been announced that... for. No, because she that... announced it right after Hayden Christensen's announcement. Oh, okay. uh, she was like, "And Hayden Christensen is joining Obi Wan Kenobi, and it'll definitely be the showdown. Um, no, an ultimate rematch for the ultimate rematch or something like that." Yeah, um, and, and, uh, and we've already seen the ultimate or the rematch between Obi Wan and. Darth Maul in Rebels. Yeah. So I, I yeah, hope but, uh, yeah. I just thought they were gonna make it cinematic now or something. Yeah, I kind of hope that they leave that alone and just be like, well, yeah. this is this is the well, story. Kind of I mean, I'd say the same thing about making Darth Vader and Obi Wan fight. Um, oh, I, I don't disagree with you. But it's more the we at least we haven't seen that in the story, whereas we we actually got the story of Darth Maul in the animated series. I don't want mm. them to start just doing. Live action versions of the animated series because then, yeah, as you're saying, Ray, it kind of waters it down and cheapens it a little bit. Mm. Like, make that as important to the story, or you know, if you want it to be the side part of the story to fill in the gaps, but don't start, you know, making your live action series. Oh well, oh, we need to explain this, so let's bring it into this show. Yeah, I mean, like it might just be kind of cool to to like if the way they're using Hayden Christensen is. Obi-Wan coming to terms with what's happened and he is haunted by visions of Hayden Christensen or Anakin visiting him or something like that or reliving that fight on Mustafar but you know letting Anakin kind of saving Anakin and seeing what way that plays out in his head through meditation or something yeah it'll, just, you know, it'll be interesting to see what voice they use if he's in the suit yeah yeah because it's not him when the suit goes on and you know I must say yeah. I don't know if any of you guys feel this way too, but especially in um, the first Star Wars story movie uh, when Vader Rogue showed up. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so obvious that the voice is tired and old now. Yeah. It, like, well, I've said this before, and I know Eddie gives out to me about saying is that what they should have done to his voice in that was record James Earl Jones, will pitch it up a uh, uh, t- tone or two. I did not have enough. About- they did this with Roger Ebert, right? Um, do you remember he got uh, cancer of the jaw or the mm-hmm. somewhere around there? And this um, Chicago, one of the universities in Chicago, maybe or somewhere else, had enough recordings of his voice that they could just synthesize speech. Really, so he could kind of talk like Stephen Hawking, basically. But it was all using um, a synthesized version from samples mm. of his recordings. Surely, there's enough for James Earl Jones to be able to do the same. But I guess obviously he has to agree to it as well. It's still like almost licensing his voice. Yeah, but then again, like there, there's got to be enough. Like there's got to be someone out there who's 
such a great impersonator that they can do the Dark Vader voice. I would say there's enough examples in computer games. Um, yeah. Some of the LucasArts older games had some good um, Darth Vader's in them. Yeah. I think also, the fans if you, favorite as well. If you, um, I don't know, if the guy who's still alive who did the original voice and he still wants to do it, I think give him the job. I'd yeah. say, Ray, you could, you could pitch it up, but um, yeah, it'd be a bit bad for him to go, oh, you're too old, go away. <laughs> is that legal in America? Probably is. <laughs> um, um, so the other thing I was watching was um, because it's the season and we are not going to talk about it really is the night before, which I rewatch every Christmas since it came out in 2015, and um, I've seen it twice already this Christmas. So uh, really, yeah, yeah. I love that film so much. It's it's gas, and um, it's it's slowly creeping up into my favorite Christmas films. It's definitely probably in my top three or four now. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying yeah. to remember, is the premise basically just Gordon Levitt's character is kind of trying to relive his youth, but everyone else kind of has their own life and family going on? Yeah, because his, his, so his, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it starts Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen and Anthony Mackie. And yeah. Gordon-Levitt's parents die at the start of the film. And then you see that they have a new tradition on Christmas Eve where they all go out and get drunk and have do their little traditions. Yeah, and this is the last year of this tradition, and they're the other two are saying we're moving on. We're going to, you know, we have families. I'm the other guy's mm. famous, and it goes off from there. But you also have Michael Shannon um, as a little tie into uh, our episode today. Uh, Michael Shannon plays the ghost of Christmas past, future, and present. So, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, yeah, I love it. It's very, very funny, mm. and it's I've it's never seen it. Hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's also very heartwarming as well. So. I'll watch yeah, that this year. Watching this Christmas. Cool, cool. Um, what about you, Rob? What have you been um, watching? So me, sort of on the same just as Ed, of just doing that Christmas thing where you rewatch a bunch of movies you've already seen. Um, mm. So like I've watched Die Hard and Lethal Weapon because um, they're vaguely Christmassy. Uh, I don't care to argue whether or not they're Christmas movies. They're set at Christmas. Oh, so I heard the Christmas movie. There's no argument. Yeah, I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> who cares? Um, and I rewatched Prestige this morning as well, which I haven't seen. Oh, other famous Christmas ages. Yeah. Other, well, I know. <laughs> no, no, I just. I had a hankering to watch Prestige. Do you know when you're scrolling on Netflix and you're just spending far too long figuring out what to watch? It's not a body double, Mister Wayne. A yeah. body double. Um, <laughs> a bloody body double. It's a simple act of visual manipulation. Mr. There's something about actually Christian Bale having an English accent in that movie that makes it seem fake. Because <laughs> I'm so used to him having an American accent. Yeah. That I'm like, is, it, is that his real English accent or is he faking this? I thought he was Welsh. Um, he's Welsh, yeah. Is he? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Um, that was it for me. Other than that, just playing lots of games. Well, I mean, uh, there, is, there is snow in the prestige. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Nikola Tesla I mean, lights up light bulbs and snow. It covers a lot of time span. There's several Christmases involved. <laughs> yeah, true. I that's that's probably my second favorite Christopher Nolan film. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good one. It's interesting because watching it, there's like Nolan isms in how it's done. Even I wonder if it's like a hang up from Memento about the nonlinear storytelling. Yeah. He does that in Begins as well. It's all yeah, he really does enjoy that, doesn't he? Yeah. Although it, that's the movie that fucked us over in a table quiz, Eddie. Remember? Oh, which character in a Christopher Nolan movie is famous for having a double-sided coin? It was like, eh, it's obviously Two Face in Batman. It's like, nope, it's the guy from Prestige who has the two-sided coin. It's like, 
What? That is like the tiniest part of that movie as well. It's not yeah, famous in the slightest. Think that that's the main reference to that. It's about it's like five seconds in that movie where he shows a kid, here I have a two-sided coin. That's literally the only time it shows up. That <laughs> fucking table quiz. Oh, and what, what was the other? Uh, how many? How many ice puns are there in Batman and Robin? Oh, right. Well, let's just. <laughs> it was twenty-seven or something ridiculous. Yeah, let's just table that uh, argument table, because table, that table, that table, table quiz. Yeah, exactly. That table quiz. There's a lot of pain points about it. Yep, I yeah. I don't think it'll be, ever make a return. Do you, what, probably not. In the world, probably anyway. Um, me then I've yeah I've watched Mandalorian as well so I won't labour on that I've watched the next episode of Star Trek Discovery oddly enough it was a very good episode um, this episode how uh, was completely set for the most part in the mirror universe so I don't know if you guys are following it or not uh, careful for spoilers if you've not seen this episode um, but basically there's something wrong with Philippa Giorgio and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with her and they need to send her over to her own dimension again um, but in doing so, they actually send her back in time to her own dimension. Uh, I think it's right before coronation or something. Um, but it's really cool to see all the characters that you've kind of gotten to know over these two seasons play out the really evil bastard versions. Um, so that was pretty cool. Actually, you know, I'll give it credit where credit's due. It was a very good episode. And because Eddie missed his Ryan Reynolds one of one of the show, I watched one in his absence. I watched Just Friends, which is a fantastic movie. It is. Starring, um, yeah. Ryan Reynolds and Anna Faris, I believe. Yeah. Um, and Amy Smart. Um, which one was Amy Smart? She's Elizabeth Banks. She's the friend. Well, no? no, it's Amy Smart. She's the friend. Oh, what am I thinking of? Oh, the, the bartender. The, no, she's the one yeah. he tra- that he he's friends with. Yeah, the, bartender. Star, the, the main one. Yeah, yeah. The, bartender. <laughs> the, the old... Um, the old friend the old he had in high school. Yeah, so it's really good. Good um, 2005 romantic comedy from Christmas. Um, yeah, just just a good good romp. I think Anna Faris is absolutely hilarious in it, playing a, some sort of a demented cross between Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. Oh, uh, the toothpaste thing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Where she gets brain damage. <laughs> and it also stars the actor that everybody hates, Chris Klein. <laughs> As Dusty Dinkleman, <laughs> everyone hates him. I don't know why. I even I I put it on for Trisha, and she goes, "Oh my god, the actor I hate is in this." I was like, "Is it Chris Pine <laughs> by any chance?" She goes, "Yes, it's just something about his face." Poor Chris Klein. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, have you guys seen the? I showed Ray. You did, I'm yeah. Pretty sure, Rob. Did you ever watch the Chris Klein audition for Mamma Mia? Yes. It's very <laughs> my emotions. Lay all your love on me. Now, to, let's be honest. That said, some of the people in Mamma Mia are terrible singers as well. So that is true. <laughs> I just laid yeah, it to be a Chris Klein. <laughs> well, here's the one we saw, and also um, he also tried to get. Oh, what's her name from? Uh, is it American Hunt? No, not American Honey. Uh he praises another actress at the start, and I'm blanking on her name right now. In which in, in the video, friends? no, no, in the video oh. for that audition. Oh, I cut this out, Ray. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> Dead air. Why is it always when we're recording that names you go blank on? Anyways, <laughs> the and Eddie can IMDB it in the background while we move I didn't on. No, I was going to talk go. about Chris Klein. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sounds like Chris Matt's Chris Klein, you know? This is um, all scripted, don't you know? <laughs> the show notes aren't that great. <laughs> I poached what I can from Clive over at uh, SideQuest Heroes and the other podcast that I'm co hosting with. American, uh, the Instagram you have for that podcast? Uh, SideQuest Heroes as well, yeah. Mandy Moore. Okay, Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore. And he, at, Mandy the start Moore. Of the, at the start of the audition, he says, you guys just had Mandy Moore in here. She is an angel among angels, and you should hire her immediately. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's great. So uh, on to the topic of the show. Um, this week, I guess I didn't say it at the top of the episode, but we are talking about our favorite interpretations of the Charles Dickens uh, novel, A Christmas Carol. Um, we've got some that overlap, but uh, for the most part, we've got unique choices. And Eddie has a secret ballot choice that he has refused to share because he doesn't think any of us would have chosen it. And I'm guessing he's seen our picks already, so he's quite content in that decision. So who wants to go first? Shall myself and Rob go first because our pick is the same? Well, let's go. Let's do, a, as we were saying, a round table. So you guys with one pick, I'll go then. And then you guys pick your other two and I'll yeah, finish off. I could, well, it depends on how long you want to talk about it because I can just cover one of mine that is my single choice quickly. Yeah, I mean, we will have comments on it anyways. So I'll tell you what, we'll start with Ed. We'll go with me and then we'll go to Rob for his third one because then we'll cover all three. Sure. Ed. So my first choice of a Christmas Carol is a uh, Christmas Carol from 2009, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, oh yeah, Rob, very Rob we might have seen this in the cinema together. Pretty sure we did. Yep. I know I've seen it with my dad. I might have seen it twice that year. But it stars Jim Carrey, Gary Oldman, Colin First, and uh, Bob Hoskins. He uh, does. Bob Hoskins plays Bob Cratchit, doesn't he? No, that's uh, Gary Oldman. Oh, yes, Gary. No, yeah. He plays uh, Mr. Fezziwig. Fezziwig. Yeah, yeah. Fezziwig. Fuzzy, fuzzy <laughs> yeah, that's Waka awesome. waka! <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard not to associate these characters with that. Uh, with I know. That. There's so much <laughs> mental bleed between these versions. Let's, let's, anyway. Let's just talk about the Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> All in good time. All in good time. Um, so it's the... It's this. It's the film after uh, Robert Zemeckis had directed the Tom Hanks starring film Polar Express, and he wanted to do another three D kind of uh, digital animated film, and he thought that this would lend itself quite well to it, which it does. I would agree. Um, I love that Jim Carrey plays the ghosts because I think that adds a different element to most of Christmas Carol stories because it's kind of. You know, the story is nearly like your own your own self is what's haunting you. Yeah, all of exactly. The time. It's just a mental illness. That's a really good good analogy of it, yeah. And so you get that with Jim Carrey playing all three characters. And he's also hilarious, especially as the ghost of Christmas past who's just floating around pulling all these random faces. The only thing I don't like about the ghost of Christmas past is the... The Irish accent? Oh, Irish accent. Yeah. 
I don't mind it because it's so fairy like. It's not. It's not an offensive Irish accent like we have in. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think he says to be sure. <laughs> if he says to be sure on top of the morning, I'd probably hate it. I'd probably. I am the ghost of Christmas past. I am for sure. Yeah, it's the, the, the <laughs> no, Eddie, 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 could you imagine Jim Carrey going, "Are you the ghost of Christmas past? I am. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, for folks like yeah, yeah, yeah. You want some redemption, Allah? Yeah, my missus, my missus, I really fancied there for a while. Do remember our watches are right. <laughs> Anyways, not our finest moments. What the fuck So. There's a few different elements to the films I really like, but I think mm-hmm. one of my favorite, apart from the the fact that Jim Carrey plays all three ghosts, yeah. is the the 3D effect. I remember because this was released in 3D, like back when 3D was a thing in cinemas, and at that point I was already sick of it. And this is only what a year, a year or two after Avatar. Really? Yeah, and. So, but you see, I think these movies always worked better in 3D because they were developed and they had the th- the animation layers, so it always looks better in 3D. Yeah, I think it, it. I don't know if it looked better. There were certain elements of it that I really liked the 3D aspect of it. So the 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 fact that they used the Ghost of Christmas Future as or Ghost of Things to Come, I can't remember which one. Yeah, he they they changed that to like a chase scene through the future if you remember so jim carrey's scrooge becomes tiny and there's a yeah. horse and carriage chasing him down the cobbled streets mm. the 3d effects of that were great and they really added to the to the suspense but i really like the because i found when you get to that point in the story things kind of come to a halt because there's not a lot you can do with this yeah. not speaking character who's kind of pointing at random things and yeah it is kind of almost a visual explanation from there yeah and you you so in this you get a little bit more not that you're looking for an action film from a christmas carol but it's a little bit more excitement after mm. a lot of emotion from the 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 ghost of christmas presents with the you know bob cratchit and he him seeing how much his his family disrespect him and you know yeah don't really like his company. I think um, going to more despair straight away, which is kind of what usually happens in a Christmas Carol, mm. you you get a little bit of a reprieve from that by just having some action of him running down the street, and it, it looks really cool as well. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of that's that's why that's one of my picks. Yeah, little known, little known fact is this the third uh, movie that Alan Silvestri has worked on that has time travel in it <laughs> from music. Because you got Back to the Future, you got Avengers Endgame, and then you have this. Well, wouldn't it be five then? Well, it, oh, well obviously, yeah, the Back to the Future franchise, yeah, okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's a really good choice, Ed. Um, yeah. I still have a soft spot in my heart for this movie, too. Um, mm. I feel like this movie gets a little bit unfair criticism from some people who still rag on Polar Express for the sort of dead zombie eyes that it has. Um, not that I don't like that movie. I think I was young enough to see it that I still enjoyed Polar Express. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think it was a good retelling of A Christmas Carol. Um, and you're right, because it's the 3D medium, they may, they needed that 
obligatory scene to try and show it off. Um, and it still it still works in two D. I think. Um, as I say, it has it's that nice contrast of a little bit of action and fear from a very emotional and sad scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's a good choice. There's a, yeah. there's a few little niggling things like the um, the voice of Ghost of Christmas Past, but yeah. it's so minor yeah, that uh, no, it doesn't Jim matter. Ray. I mean, well, they should just let, overdub it like that. Yeah, like, well, let's just make it a natural Irish accent, of course. Kudos to the, the his interpretation of Ghost of Christmas Presents because I just love that character. Come in and know me better, man. Yeah. Of course, it's so boisterous and fun, and yeah. like it's a person you do want to know better. Um, yeah, that's a great choice. Well, it's funny you were talking about Polar Express there. My dad loves that film so much, and he was asking me a few weeks ago because I'm, I'm going to go over to them for a couple of nights over Christmas, and he was like, "Is there any film you uh, you want to save for, or like we can save to watch on um, on Christmas Day?" And I just said, "Dad, please go ahead and watch Polar Express." I'm sick, I'm sick of watching the film on Christmas Day. I don't like the film that much. <laughs> he does. Your dad has a passing resemblance to Tom Hanks in that movie. He does a little bit, yeah. All of all, specifically the conductor. I mean, obviously Tom Hanks plays almost everyone in that movie. Mm-hmm. Specifically uh, when he's he's giving out to them, telling them to sit down. Yeah, I definitely see a resemblance in him there. <laughs> Still get that all the time from him. Yeah, I'll move on to my pick then to keep things going. Um, yeah, so my choice is one. It's it's kind of probably the more the darker kind of surreal interpretations of this story, and it's Scrooge, which is a 1988 film directed by Richard Donner, produced by Richard Donner and Art Lienson. Um Done on a budget of 32 million, box office taken of 100 million. You know, so very decent uh, take. Starring the ever amazing Bill Murray. Also features Bobcat Goldwraith, uh, Karen Allen, who is, um, oh, who else does she play? Um, so you're one from Indiana Jones, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, music What's by Danny Elfman. What's her name in uh... Oh, um, oh, Christ. No, no, you should have Wikipedia. Open. Claire. Remember? It's Claire. Claire, it is Claire. This is my pick, too. What's her name um, in Indiana Jones? <laughs> um, Holly. If I had to try and find the Chris Cl- Holly, <laughs> you're really going with the Christmas theme here, mate. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, Mistletoe, something, yeah. <laughs> Misty Toe, Misty Toe. It's definitely uh, Misty Toe. Marion, Marion, Marion Ravenwood, Marion. Yeah, this is obviously my one of my choices as well. Um, it's so much fun. Bobcat Goldthwait is just ridiculous in this movie. Oh, the he's best, brilliant. Best drunken, crazy way. Um, yeah. yeah. So this film, it's not like a retelling of A Christmas Carol in, in kind of like a literal kind of way. Um, it's done kind of with the theme of the Christmas Carol on top of kind of like a modern corporate business consumer aspect of it. Um, the long short is he he's the Scrooge character. He's Frank Cross, I think his name is it. And he's trying to put on a, a basically a live theater show of a Christmas Carol for the network, and it's going to be the big money maker for the season. Um, you know, he he's trying to kind of go his own way, but the network is kind of keeping it very traditional. And you know, he he's just a a prick, a prick of a character. You know, <laughs> yeah, 
uh, you know, they're doing the gifts and they're talking about like a VCR for this per- random person. I know VCR for that person. You know, I hate that person. Give them a towel. And he goes, your brother, a towel. He goes, your own goddamn brother, a towel. Yeah. He, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's it's that kind of path. Like, it just starts off kind of like a normal kind of schlock kind of movie like that. Um, then I kept trying to figure out what happens. He, God, I should have watched this more recently. Um, <laughs> what, what are you trying to remember? Uh, the part, what actually triggers the visitation is that he... It's um, oh, yeah, his old boss, his old yeah, mentor. That's um, right, yeah, up. yeah. Played by um, what the fuck is your man's name? Uh, oh, he was in City Slickers. <laughs> I'll just leave you. you want to let Rob take over? <laughs> Rob, do you want to take over this? No, no. And that's not. That's not who plays him. By the way, you're think you're thinking of the. You're thinking of uh, oh. Yeah, oh, Eddie, do you want to take over for this? <laughs> I'm not the one getting actors wrong here. <laughs> You're thinking Jack Lance. That's who you're thinking of. I am thinking Jack Lance. It's not, not him. He's not it's screwed. Not him. No, it's not. But look, anyways, the the guy who plays his boss, who kind of looks at Jack Lance, uh, rocks up uh, all dead in golf gear, <laughs> telling him like he better change his ways. Like you know, he's after firing you know Bobcat Goldwaite's character like at, on Christmas Eve. You know, he's doing all the all the best things to get visited by three ghosts on, on well, Christmas. The other thing, like this, uh, the framework around the movie is that he's putting on a live television retelling of a Christmas yeah. Carol on Christmas Eve. Um, so they're doing all the rehearsals and setup for mm. that. Um, and it's like the most extreme television ever. Uh, what was the crazy violent ad where a granny had a heart attack watching it? Yeah. And he's <laughs> so brilliant. proud of that. You he's can't find publicity like this. Um, there's actually, I won't branch off too much in this, there's elements of network from 1976 in this, of those kind of hints of TV is uh, insidious and evil at times. You should be mm. careful of it. Um, so yeah, that's kind the of kind of framework people, around yeah, no. the retelling. That there's this yeah. other play within a play going on, mm. um, and then he's visited by all the ghosts. Yeah, I loved. I absolutely loved the scene in this where um, his old boss visits them, and he puts him outside the window for the first time. I remember seeing that scene as a kid, going, "This is amazing." Yep. Um, then yeah, he's visited by uh, the three ghosts. Ghost Christmas past, and this is like a New York cabbie who drives around to all like the really kind of old haunts for him instead of the the school where scrooge was um brought up he started bringing him to like his old mom's house and he goes every well time, you think man, you're gonna make me cry every time yeah. i watch this movie i think now the guy just has that look to his face but i can't help but think that they were trying to cast tom waits as the ghost of christmas past yeah yeah absolutely that it's he's like a weird cross between tom waits or benicio del toro yeah niagara falls when he saw his dear mama, Niagara Falls. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, Bill Murray's brother actually plays a cameo in this as his father. He does. He does. Does he not play a cameo um, as his brother as well? No, no, no. no. He's not, not a different guy who plays his brother. plays his brother. I have not got an idea. Doesn't matter. Uh, um, some random forgettable 90s actor. <laughs> um, in the 80s. <laughs> this it guy's is his brother. Down. John, John Murray. No, that's, no that's, 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 oh, that's his dad. You're right. Yeah, sorry. If you want a choo choo train, go and buy a choo choo train. <laughs> no, that guy. It, yeah, uh, it's, uh, 
I'm only four. <laughs> he brought like home a side of beef or something for him for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think it was veal actually. Yeah. Train. <laughs> Are you why you asked for a choo-choo train? <laughs> <laughs> Going to get a job and buy yourself a choo-choo train. Um, but yeah, so he has that character. Then um, I think it's Carol Kane then who plays the uh, Ghost Christmas Present. She plays her in kind of like an aggressive, almost psychopathic fairy character. Um, it's really good. Oh yeah, she's beating the crap out of him. Yeah, it's just like, oh look, it's a toaster, and she stabs him in the face with it. Um, yeah, there's really good like uh, set piece in this, like the part where he tries to go to the shelter and chat to um, Claire, and he meets all the kind of downtrodden people, and you kind of see a little bit of his niceness coming out when he starts feeling sorry for the guy frozen underneath the uh, the the sewer grate. I guess. Yeah, I do um, love um his mean moments as well because <laughs> he they stand it so much in my head all the time i still quote him all year like when uh he tells the prop guy to get the antlers onto the mouse's head and it's like but i tried all sorts of glue and none of them work what should i do have, it's you, tried like, have you tried staples <laughs> and then later on it's like he told me the staple antlers onto the mouse's head <laughs> There's a um, line. There's actually my, I think my favorite line in the film is from the Ghost of Christmas Past when the the guy is telling him um, the Ghost of Christmas Past is saying, "And you don't have a clue what's going on." Oh, I know what's going on. And then the lights go out. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember a, a weird fact about this movie that. The director, Richard Donner, kept telling Bill Murray to play his character more and more exaggerated and exaggerated. And Bill Murray was actually getting really annoyed with it. But I'm glad that he did because it actually has to be one of Bill Murray's best performances. It's a, yeah, it's a frantic perform- performance. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. yeah. Um, but it works so well for me. It's that kind of high energy Christmas movie where even though it's like, yeah, he's a terrible person and this is terrible things he's doing. It's still fun. They like really yeah. lean into the comedy aspect of it, and they got like a really kind of freaky uh, ghost and Christmas future part because um, he gets scared by the, go- the guy in costume as the ghost of Christmas future at one point because he thinks it's the actual ghost because uh, <laughs> people think he's about to have a nervous breakdown or something. Um, <laughs> and then like when he actually visits the real ghost of Christmas future, the- he's in the elevator and he goes one second and he opens up the middle and you see all these babies and like, children screaming going ah. Yeah. ah! And he just looks at the guy, guy in the face and goes, did our people do that? You know, they're going to give him nightmares. <laughs> um, another uh, cool little fact about this is something I, I think I sent it to you guys on the chat. Um, is For years, I never got the Richard Pryor joke in this where the guy goes on fire and Bill Murray throws the water on him. And he goes, sorry, you know, for a second there, I thought you were Richard Pryor. And he just walks out the door. But apparently it's like Richard Pryor was off his head on coke or something and he set himself on fire running down New York Avenue or something. Most of his body was like covered in burns. Yeah. So I thought that was a bit of a weird joke. Yeah. I mean, I guess these are all people. Maybe let's hope Richard Pryor got a laugh out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he always seems like he had a, a good sense of humor. Um, but like... The only problem I have with this movie, even though it is one of my favorite interpretations of this, is the very end. I don't like the breaking the fourth wall part at the end. I find it a little bit out of I nowhere. don't care, really, because he's talking to the audience. Like, as well, to me, that's when the credits roll. Um, he's, like, telling people to sing. Mm. So he's, like, it's 
he's breaking the fourth wall inside the movie telling yeah people watching him live on Christmas Eve to sing and and us yeah, yeah. I always liked I I always liked that bit um, mainly because it's given me a, a random Christmas song that is not a Christmas song at all. Like put a little love in your heart is in yeah. on my Christmas playlist because of this. Right, and it, it's not a Christmas song, but it, no. for me as well is mm. because yeah. of this movie, and it gets stuck in my head regularly throughout the year. Um, mm. yeah, awesome. Uh, what about you, Rob? So other than Scrooged, I guess, um, it is a new. <laughs> I guess I just stole this answer because I think we all wanted it. Um, the definitive Christmas Carol telling Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Which I think is the best Muppets movie. Oh, yeah, easily. Um, and so much of it is Michael Caine. Um, obviously, the Muppets are great, but Michael Caine is playing to a bunch of Muppets for the whole movie. And there's no like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. These are Muppets. It's just this is how it is. And he plays Wasn't that part of his great. whole contract agreement was like he would agree because they've been looking to get him to do it for ages, but he said he will do it as long as he can do it in like a proper stage acting style. Like he didn't want to dumb it down or be all cuddly woodly for the kind of Muppets. Yeah, and I, I well, I ho- hope that was the agreement or whatever way they did agree to it. Um, it worked so well that it was just just a retelling of a Christmas Carol with Muppets. Um, other than the sort of framework they have of Gonzo being Charles Dickens and narrating it for kids um, and making them feel better at the slightly scarier bits. And Rizzo as himself. Like the candle, not the rat. There's like the so many the parts of this movie that I crack up at, but I like immediately just thought of their, the bit where um, <laughs> they're climbing over the fence or <laughs> in uh, Scrooge's house to get in. And then Rizzo's like, oh, wait, I forgot my jelly beans. And he just walks through the bars, <laughs> gets his jelly beans. It's like, wait, you can fit through the bars? Yeah. You are such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I love when uh, Rizzo and Gonzo, ha- or, uh, you know, Charles Dickens, have an argument and Gonzo is going crazy at Rizzo. And then Rizzo's response is just to kiss him on the nose. Yes, it's so sweet. Yeah. So Muppets, it's just beautifully sweet. Way to defuse uh, the situation. <laughs> Can't be mad at you now. I'm not, not and, um, be mad at you. Like regularly in my vocabulary, um, I use that Sam the Eagle line, where it's like, "You'll become a man of business." It is the American way. It is the British way. <laughs> So it's always like regularly with me and my wife if like we say one thing it's like this is the american way <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i think um, um it, this the uh the casting or the kind of assignment of kermit as bob cratchit and miss piggy as his wife is just fantastic oh of course yeah and like i if you think about it if you were to not know this movie would exist mm-hmm. your default casting would be um if you were to and then you were told, okay, there's going to be a narrator, like who's a chief character, and you follow him throughout the movie. You'd think it's going to be Kermit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's so, like, obviously, Bob Cratchit's still a huge part, but it just fits in that much better that he gets to be a little bit sidetracked and you get to have the heart of the movie with him and his son. Mm. Um, and, like, there's some beautiful moments even with the puppetry where, oh, yeah. okay, you kind of see it, but, like, I love it because it shows you how they do things. Mm. Um, like, when you see, Kermit 
doing his dance home and he's just walking home and singing to himself. Um, and you see the rolling ground. Mm-hmm. Like all the pavement just rolls under him as the kind of yeah. houses move slowly past. Um, there's, there's so much work in this movie. There's even a little bit of computer animation with the penguins um, mm. dancing. There's just so much joy. Like Michael Caine isn't the greatest singer in the world, but my God, I love that song and I love how he sings it at the end. It's so joyful and happy. You know, they found the, well, not they found, it wasn't really lost, but they're, they've been able to uh, reinstate the missing song from the VHS copies. Oh, the one with him and the girl singing? Yeah, The Love Is Gone. Oh, I've seen a video of that. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. It's brilliant. That's that, I remembered that so well because I used to watch this religiously on VHS and then went back to it. And I, I always remembered that scene going on for a little bit longer. And it cut off, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm just misremembering this. And yeah, no, I remembered it right because the song's back. Mm. So it'll be nice, a nice one to reinstate. I think it's been reinstated. If not by this Christmas, it'll be next year at some point. Oh, cool. So we could get a Blu ray next year with it. Or it might be yeah, on and Disney, and, and Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, the ghosts in this one are quite an interesting one. Like, obviously, the ghost Christmas past in this one is. Uh, God, I'm actually drawing a blank of what the Ghost Christmas Past looks like in this one. I don't think it's an actual Muppet, isn't it? It's a char- Well, I think they're all characters they invented. Like Muppets the little tiny invented. girl. That yeah, who just sort of floats. Oh, she is, that's um, right. She's composited into the scene, I'm pretty sure, rather than yeah. uh, like, a, like a hand. It actually looks very similar to the one in the Jim Carrey one, from what I remember. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it does. Come here to me, squid. <laughs> Jesus. Viver, viver. Like it does have again have that kind of airy voice and stuff. Yeah, apparently uh, yeah, really they repurposed that puppet from another um Jim Henson uh show where that puppet was used for the character of death in something. <laughs> That's yeah. a very different use. <laughs> I know. That's interesting. That's a good fact. Um yeah, and I love the ghost of Christmas past as well just like we were saying with jim carrey um that character in general is just such a boisterous and fun person someone you'd want to know um and just the laughing the fact that he has like oh the present you, know, you mean sorry yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, you said oh, past. i was like okay sorry i thought i said presents oh like there mm. i guess she's nice <laughs> Who? fine freaky but you know whatever floats <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you though. He, th- I think he's the best. He's he's the best Ghost of Christmas present I can imagine from any car- yeah. Christmas character. Like, yeah, he- and as a kid, my heart used to break when he got old and died. Yeah, yeah, um, he really did. And like, there's not not really much to say about the Ghost of Christmas Future. It is basically just a giant um, robe <laughs> walking around that points at things. Yeah, I mean um, that's always the case with the Ghost of Christmas Future. Yeah. I mean. It- um, but let, let's give a massive shout out to uh, the Marley Ghosts purely for the song <laughs> Marley and Marley. Whoa! One, of, one of my favorite Christmas experiences was a couple of years ago. I went to see that in the cinema, and uh, the whole place during that song was going, Woo! <laughs> right. That's brilliant. Oh, and also um, at the end it, during the screening, when um, Gonzo turns around and says, and Tiny Tim, who did not die. So every, yeah. everyone, everyone was going, yeah! <laughs> um, I must say, actually, the, the section in that movie where they go for the Ghost of Christmas Future and they visit Bob Cratchit's family and 
the family are really solemn. And where you see them earlier in the movie, where they're all boisterous and noisy and kind of all on top of each other. Yeah. And they're all solemn, kind of like, mother, can I help with that? Yeah. And then Kermit walks in and it's really quiet. It's like, yeah. even as an adult, I sometimes get to that point going, I would hear it's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, and that's, I guess, the glory and the beauty of the Muppets, right? When they mm. do it really well. Um, like, they don't really have much facial expressions. Oh, like, their nothing. eyes don't change. So yeah. It's just the mouth movement they can do with their hands. And that mm. scene is so sad. I think so the delivery sad. by the voice actor, because I know it's the first time uh, Jim Henson didn't voice act Kermit. Um, it was one of the puppeteers who actually took over from. But there's a part where he goes, um, I'll, I'll make a ball for because you, you, you want to see where he picked out a lovely little spot overlooking the town. And every time I'm like, no, don't, don't go, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> don't cry me. Don't cry me. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking heartbreaking. That bit. Yeah, there is a uh, yeah. There's so much emotion in that movie, and it's, it's very short as well. Like, um, mm. you know, it just you get it's less than an hour and a half, maybe, just on the dot, yeah, an hour yeah. and a half. Um, yeah, it's great. It's it's the pinnacle of Muppets for me. There's been many good other Muppets movies, but to me, that'll always be the best one. Yep, perfect. Eddie, what about your mystery um, roster character? Want to leave the mystery character to last? And yeah, actually, if I can do your one, Ray. Yeah, we'll bounce back to me then. Um, so my second selection is one Christmas Carol movie I saw completely by accident. It was on, I think, Channel 4 back in like the early 2000s. And I just randomly caught it because of the actor who was in it. And it was um, Patrick Stewart. And I was like, oh, there's Captain McCard. What the hell is going on here? Um, so this is a, I think it was made for Hallmark originally, but it's a Christmas Carol interpretation done in 1999, made for TV. Uh, starring Charles, or sorry, Charles Dickens. Sorry, as <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past. Um, so, starring uh, Patrick Stewart, Richard E. Grant, and Joel Grey. Um, it was, like I said, developed for TV. Um, there, there's no details on how much it cost to make. I, I imagine it's probably in around the maybe five to ten million for TV. Um, but it's probably one of the most faithful adaptations of the novel that I can think of. Um, like there's no there's no party to it. It's played very straight laced. It's it's the exact story. Um, you know he's working there. Like the I think the the intro starts off with the kind of narration about um, uh, Marley and Scrooge, and then it just becomes Marley and Scrooge. But the Marley part's kind of worn off, and his desk is left immaculate as it is. Um, and you know he's obviously shows him going through the town and treating people like absolute muck. Um. But it's definitely, I think I showed this to you for the first time, Eddie, wasn't it? About a year or two ago. Yeah. And the reveal of Marley in this is really freaky. So uh, Scrooge kind of walks home and he sees the knob on the door turn from a lion's face into like a screaming old man. And that's how it's kind of described in the book. And when he meets Marley, he has like this handkerchief tied around his jaw, which they would have done for dead bodies back in the day to stop their mouths from hanging open when they're in coffins. So he still has that tied around his head and he loosens it to let his like jaw relaxed and his jaw just falls down completely um it's quite a freaky dark movie i think um again ghost christmas past is done fairly uh faithful to the previous version that we see it's kind of like a, a little person with kind of like a flame on its head um takes him back to a school um you know it's not the, like obviously because it's not the most original of the christmas carol there's not much to say about it except 
it's just a beautiful movie to watch. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if I just happened to be watching TV the exact same day as you, but that's exactly how I caught it too. Um, oh, wow. Somewhere in the early 2000s, just randomly watching uh, Channel 4. It was on. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, like, it's just, I, it's a good choice because it's, um, it's that just faithful retelling. Um, yeah. You'll always get a great performance from Patrick Stewart. Mm. Um, because he just totally owns most of anything he's serious about. And he's like such a great stage actor that he's so used to being able to do Dickens or Shakespeare and so on. That yeah, he just yeah, yeah. like assimilates this role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, nice, uh, Star Trek pun there. That was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite encouraging. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's. I suppose that's the kind of bit that kind of lets this movie down in a way to talk about it more so is the fact that it is the classic story of it. If you know the story of the Christmas Carol, you know this movie. So it doesn't veer from the source material overly much, if at all. Yeah, not so um, data. But I mean, that's that's a good point though, right? Because the rest of us have chosen um, like parodies. Muppets, Christmas Carol is a Muppets movie and Scrooge is a comedy parody. Um, mm. And even the Robert Zemeckis one, while it's quite close to novel, is very kind of heavy on its visuals as well. So if you yeah. just wanted to watch a movie that was a Christmas Carol, like you didn't, mm. you weren't bothered reading um, the novel, say. Yeah, yeah. That was quite close to it. I think this is a great choice overall. Yeah, the yeah. I would say this is pretty damn accurate because I've read the, the the novel like years ago, and this is the only movie I've ever seen that's kind of like, wow, I, this is actually the book, the pages come to life as it was meant to be, and I think that's kind of why someone like Patrick Stewart might have agreed to do something like this. Like, I don't see him doing the Michael Caine thing, like doing a Muppet movie. I don't think Patrick Stewart would kind of get too much into that. Um, or I don't think he'd be able to deliver the same type of acting that Caine would. Um, I think he kind of feeds from the sets and the costumes. I think he would really just like to be immersed in it. He still thinks Star Trek is a documentary. <laughs> He thinks he fucking owns the thing with the way Picard turned out. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I won't, I won't labor on it that much. It's just a, a great interpretation. If you haven't seen it, well worth checking out. Yep. He brings the 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 only thing I will I will add to that is that the actors that are always picked to play Scrooge in what we've watched all bring a gravitas to the role. You take it, you take them very seriously. You take them at face value, and. Um, that leads into my choice because I too find that this particular choice to play Scrooge was made because of the gravitas this character can bring. And it's Mickey's Christmas Carol. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm kicking Eddie from the chat. What the hell is Mickey's Christmas Carol? Now... <laughs> It's 26 uh, minutes long. I, I don't can know either of you coming. can either of you guess who plays Scrooge? Scrooge. Oh, well, um, Mickey Mouse. Is it Scrooge McDuck? It oh. is Scrooge McDuck. That's a good <laughs> Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ. So, Scrooge McDuck is Ebenezer Scrooge. And Mickey's Bob Cratchit, let me guess. It's really right. So, it it really uh-huh. leans in to I put an extra bit of coal on the fire hole. You used one last week, is what he says in this. <laughs> oh God! So it's actually way darker and way more adult humor than you would expect from it. So there's a bit where 
um scrooge is what it's you know it's the start of the the very the short episode whatever it is and he's walking towards his uh his place of work when um someone begs and he just brushes them off and as he's walking into his place of work he sees a sign over that says jacob marley he says ah jacob marley my old my old uh my old workmate now there was there was a great man and he says jacob marley had left him only enough money to pay for his tombstone and Scrooge had him buried at sea. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Maybe I need to watch this. <laughs> um, so Mickey Mouse plays Bob Cratchit. And the, they talk about how he's going to get a half day for Christmas Day. Hmm. And Scrooge says, okay, but I'm going to dock you uh, I'm going to dock you half a day's wages. And he says, you get two shillings a day. And Mickey Mouse says, no, I get two shillings and a dime because I got a raise three years ago when I started doing your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It, I, I really enjoyed the humor of it. Like they really just lean into Scrooge being an absolute bellend. And so like Mickey, Ma- or no, yes, Donald Duck is uh, his nephew, Fred, who comes in and wishing everyone a happy Christmas. And Mickey's delighted to see Donald. Yeah. And, um, when when Donald is kicked out royally by Scrooge McDuck, Mickey describes Fred as such a kind man to which Scrooge replies, yes, he always was a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to give um, us a watch this year. Yeah, I it's think great, so. it's, it's great crack. And like, there's, there's, um, there's loads of cameos from kind of uh, characters of Disney past in it as well. So hmm. you have um, a few characters appear from The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And um, Otto from the animated Robin Hood is a beggar at the st- is the beggar at the start. The Scrooge brushes off, and um, yeah. Th- so Goofy is Jacob Marley, and um, there's a really adult joke in this where Scrooge describes Jacob Marley as having swindled the poor and loving the widows. Oh my! <laughs> oh gosh! On, on the same day, <laughs> oh widow mouse. <laughs> and there's some great physical humor in that scene as well, where uh, when Goofy has visited Scrooge, he's tripping over. I think he trips over a broom at the start, and he's doing his. And then, uh, and then he's very careful when leaving the room to not trip over again. He goes, "I'll see you, Scrooge." And then, and then Scrooge just goes, uh, "Oh, um, Jacob, watch out for the and the, ooh, he's falls down." <laughs> <laughs> um, but the there's a great now they they unfortunately they don't keep up this stellar cast after this one. But the the ghost of Christmas past is none other than Jiminy Cricket. That's actually a really good choice. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. I was really surprised to see him. And uh, the the ghosts are not afraid to call Scrooge out for again being a bellend. They call him like a miser. And there's a there's a scene when um you know when Jiminy Cricket is bringing him out the window to see his past, and Scrooge is afraid of heights. And Jiminy Cricket just goes, "Oh come on now, Scrooge! You always look down on people." So it's 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 really good fun. It's a lot. It's a lot different. It's just a lot yeah. of humor. And a you lot have of... me convinced. Um, I'll definitely watch yeah. this probably tomorrow morning. It's only twenty six minutes long, which it really helps the the flow and the the 
yeah, just it's quite tight and fun. And um, yeah, they, I like when Disney are kind of able to let loose and not be too strict with their character use and kind of mix and match, mm. which is great to see Jiminy Cricket coming into um, into something like this. Mm. So yeah, uh, that was my, that was my little surprise, my surprise yep, choice. So that's a, some good recommendations there, I think. Um, well, we we covered all of the um, we covered all of the Christmas carols that are on Disney Plus. Oh, so oh, we're the old Disney we sponsored, right? No, well, we Scrooge was not Disney. No, and yeah. they, obviously neither was the Patrick Stewart one. So Scrooge was Paramount, I think, was it? Yeah, probably. Um, so. If we were to take a vote, and I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be in unanimous, which one is the best? Or at least me, our favorite. It's Muppets Christmas Carol for me. Yeah. 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 I think it's pretty unanimous. It's Muppets yeah, Christmas I, Carol. Uh, greedily managed to get in my choice before you, both of you. Because um, I think yeah, it's at the end of the last chat. podcast. We have a <laughs> when chat. This. Said, this is my choice. What are you guys doing? No, no, we were discussing at the end of the last podcast, and I said, well, you know, this is just going to be my choice regardless. <laughs> there. It's fair enough. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll wrap it up there. Uh, the winner of all of those is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, so I probably failed to mention at the top of the episode, but this is a two-part episode. So the first part, we are obviously uh, in the same format that we would normally do. We talk about what we were watching, and our main topic of the show, which was our favorite interpretation of A Christmas Carol. In part two, we're only going to be talking about the topic of the show, which we are going to be recording shortly after this. So join us next time where we will be talking about Home Alone. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.